1: Hello everybody, welcome back to Rule The Roost podcast. It's, uh, it's a, a bleak, it is the bleak midwinter now. You know, I usually look out on a January and think it's grey and miserable and rainy. And last year, it sort of lured into a bit of a false sense of security. It was sunny, it was bright, and it didn't it didn't feel like this time of year. But once again, the clouds, the gloom, it has descended upon us. And I'm not just talking about Tottenham. <laughs> that was a bit long-winded, wasn't it, Oliver Lister? Hello, welcome, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing?
0: Hello, BBC's Jack Cussy. Thanks for having me on. That's quite all right.
1: Well, I, I, you know, what can, what can I say, mate? I'm, I'm going places.
0: I mean, it's nice to give you give something back to the community by having you know underlings voice our opinions. So thank you for casting some crumbs our way
1: i I like that i was chosen as like voice of the people
0: on the beep you government stooge surely
1: i know that's it it's it's all corrupt isn't it i'm part yeah, it of doesn't. the i'm part of the establishment now they paid you
0: really. a lot i bet
1: that's it they, oh mate yeah i've 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 retired basically um <laughs> well some good news then that's, that's it um oh, i can't be bothered to carry on with this rose <laughs> Um, right, mate. Let's uh, let's let's dive into this because I, you know, I, I thought I'd, I'd like to speak to you in particular today, mate. Because I've said, let me. I'm just going to pull this up now. Hang on. Wait a minute. This is a tweet from you yesterday, and I've I've referenced you. This is this is the people I'm the curtain. Of. I've referenced you previously, talking about you, you know, falling out with people online and stuff. And you've you've sent me a, a WhatsApp, being like, I'll show you falling out. Let's have a look. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, I think you've deleted it. You coward. You basically said, oh, yeah, here we go. Either do something about the ownership of this club, organise, speak with other groups, engage the club, organise walkouts, or shut your stupid fucking mouths. It's so fucking tiresome. I mean, it's it's, it's not like you to to go in two-footed online, Ollie. but I, I, look, I, I wanted to, I thought this would be quite good. I didn't want to get another person on who's just going to echo everything. That I say have the same sort of feelings on what's going on. I, you know, I don't. I, I don't think I'm particularly like. Well, I am. a I am getting a bit Conte out. I'm going to be brutally honest, but I'm not Enoch out. I'm not Enoch in. I'm kind of. I'm on. I'm definitely on the fence with that one. So I want to speak to somebody that is more kind of. You know, a bit more like as you've said there. Shut up and just get on with it. Support the club. So does that sound all right to you, mate? We you, you right Sounds sounds, sounds great. All right.
0: Yeah. Happy to give out any advice I can.
1: (laughs) Let's dive in. Let's dive in straight away on the before we go into the the big the big issues, right? And I'm not talking about the magazine. (laughs) Let's 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 talk about the Villa game. It was not it was not pretty, was it mate? Right? What what's your sort of what are your hot takes on the game, like top line?
0: I think It just goes to show, if we don't play with any urgency whatsoever, that is what happens. And we've seen it under Conte in the past where, for whatever reason, we come out that lifeless so that we have no goal threat whatsoever. And I think I've mentioned it previously, the way and the manner in which we play is to kind of, not rope-a-dope, but soak up some pressure and and be a bit passive in, in some respects. But there has to be the the converse to that, where we actually go and take the game to them. Um, but that does require having some tempo and a bit of directness about us. And I think that was completely missing yesterday. And when that happens, it just looks so bad, and the manner of defeat is inevitable. Uh, and that's what's happened. I mean, because so, yeah. I don't, I
1: don't know how much I've bought into the idea that. It was an inevitability. It has felt like we've been due a kind of like a, a grim result at some point. But I mean, mm. even when I think about like, I think about the Brentford game, right? Brentford had just turned over Liverpool and it looked kind of doom and gloom there. We've gone 2-0 down, but we actually fought back really well and we probably could have, should have won that one, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess Conte can feel justified in in what he's been doing. Because I, I, I mean, this must be conscious, right? We've seen it happen all too often now, the kind of rope-a-dope type thing, you know. So, you, you can see why he he would persist with that. It's something that got us into the top four last year. We're still hanging around the top four now, even though we've not played particularly beautifully this year. And I, I don't even think it's so much about the... It's obviously about the style of play, but I mean... Uh, it's just a certain it feels like there's a lack of momentum to me anyway when I when I watch Spurs this year it, it, it kind of it always feels like we're just managing to like kind of get it over the line as opposed to doing it in a in a maybe a more controlled confident fashion and so that's why I'm I'm not overly surprised that this that this villa results happen but I don't by any means think it was definitely going to happen do, do you get do you follow me does that make any sense yeah you? I think
0: these, these sort of results happen to every team um, and sometimes they come out of the blue and sometimes you see them coming down the road I think in our case it was seen coming down the road just because the form had been poor you know what what had been quite characteristic for us at the end of last season we, we looked quite solid mm. and that solidity has just completely evaporated we um, you know we've still been scoring pretty freely given you know son's been absent in that department um but the the conceding the amount of goals we have i, I saw a it's an optus stat somewhere that we've conceded seven uh, two goals in every game for the last seven consecutive games the last time we did that was in 1988 so it gives you an idea of how how badly things are going at the back and it's a bit hard to put your finger on why that is. I don't think you can just kind of say, oh, it's the players, because these are the players last year that showed real resiliency. And I don't think things just change that dramatically. Something somewhere isn't right. Um, and I think that's what Conte probably will need to get a, get a grip on. Do you think they're... Do you
1: think they're throwing him under the bus yet? Do you think they're... Because I don't... Look, we nobody really has a clue what's going on, right? But I can't help but get the idea, or at least the feeling. could just be confirmation bias, just seeing what I want to see. But it doesn't feel like they're playing for him at the moment. It doesn't feel like they're buzzing. You know, I don't know, did you see the the video that the official account posted uh, pre-match, which everyone was in a tailspin about because Kalishevsky was in their pre-match yeah. video and then he obviously didn't make the game. But they all look so fucking miserable. Um and I guess footballers they're not usually bounding into a ground, are they? Like smiling and slapping each other on the back. But it all, it just feels like there's a bit of a cloud over everything at the moment. Um Let's I mean let's let's just we'll we we'll dive into stuff with Conte because he looked he looked dejected at the side of the pitch when we're you know 2-0 down. The crowd are singing about Enoch, Daniel Levy and he just was sort of, he cut a pretty forlorn figure. He looks, and I feel like he's looked like a bloke really that just hasn't wanted to be here from almost day one. So I, I don't, as much as I can. Do you, yeah, go on.
0: When, when do you ever really see him happy though? Apart from when we're scoring goals and he goes ballistic. He always looks miserable. Even after we've had decent wins, you know, you think given... How outlandish he is with his celebrations when he's given his post-match interviews, he's always in a very hushed tone and he's, you know, he's never kind of bounding out and you know bouncing off the walls. I just think that's how he is. And some people are just like that. I think maybe there's people expecting something that's never going to be there because that's just not who he is. I don't know. I, I just I never, I've never expected anything other because that's just how he comes across to me.
1: I do know what you mean. He is quite a dour bloke. I, I do think, well, if you look at some of his old Chelsea press conferences, he was a bit more jolly, I'd say. And yeah, fair enough. He was in a, in a different situation then, so that's the word people use in football terms, isn't it? It's <laughs> you need to find problem. a, nice, a nice situation, yeah. Situation. Uh, <laughs> and he uh, he, oh, he looked a bit more happy then. I think it's, it's quite a lot in what he says. He's always... and. I do think that all right. So there's, there's, he he speaks fairly broken English at the moment, right? So it's, it's not about just jumping on him, kind of saying something that's him trying to get his words up. I think there was an example of this the other day. I can't remember exactly what it was, but Jack Pitbrook, um, oh, he said, he so Conte in a press conference said the politics at this club. Um, won't allow us to buy certain players, and Jack Pitbrook was saying that he had to clarify for him. Did you did you mean to say politics or the policy? And Conte was like, "Yes, sorry, the the policy." So I, I you know, I think it's important to remember that because that that to me there's a very, very different between yeah. those two those two statements, right? It's pretty pretty heavy, so it is worth remembering this type of stuff, but. I don't know, like, even things like I, I know he's. I get it. He's an emotional guy. He's temperamental. But I've kind of felt even from that, like that Burnley game when he completely lost his ass. I just thought, like, this is fucking wild, man. This is like a couple of months into his tenure, and he's throwing the toys out like this. Like, I, I was sure he was on the verge of walking then, and it just makes me wonder, like, how much he actually really wanted to join the club in the first place, and. We, we'll talk about Levy and Enoch and vanity appointments or whatever later. But first of all, I sort of question why, why did he join Tottenham? Like, I, Surely he, he, he must know what the situation is at Spurs. We're not Manchester City. We're not PSG. We're not Chelsea. We're not even Manchester United in, in terms of what we can afford to give a manager dis, you know, disposable income, if you like. Do, do, like, aren't you at all surprised by how quickly it's kind of gone? Seemingly, anyway, gone a bit sour with him.
0: Um, I think there is perhaps a tendency to for, that our fans, in true Tottenham style, are, are overreacting, um, and that you know we are having a bit of a breakdown over what is seemingly the first obstacle we've come across. I mean you've gotta take into account what he achieved last season. Now, personally I think we you know we were very we had good fortune to get top four last year, but to put ourselves in the situation where it was even possible was in no small part to what Conte achieved with the players he had. Um, you know, we made some shrewd signings that really changed the tide. But he managed to get us from where we were left off with Nuno to, to top four. And that was absolutely miraculous. Um, but it doesn't mean by any means that it's now a finished business and that we're going for, for the title challenge. So I think maybe myself included, we all got a bit ahead of ourselves and thought, you know, we saw the summer business and we thought, hang on a minute, you know, we could be going place and got this manager that seemingly performed a miracle. Um this could this could be a really good year and I wouldn't I will not forgive anyone for thinking it because you know I thought so myself. Um but maybe reality's come home to bite a bit and we actually have to realise, actually, the club's been in a bit of a mess for some time. Um, and despite achieving what we did, there's still a lot of work to do to get us where we are in a situation where we think, oh, let's have a, might be something tasty happening this year. And I don't think that can be overlooked. And I think, you know, we have really, this is the first obstacle, but you know, it's been 10 really rotten games that, you know, in many respects, we're lucky to have got any points. We we have got those points. We are still in a relatively decent position. I think we just need to, to stick things out a bit and not not overreact. Um, and, and I think that is for no small part what's been happening.
1: Do you not think he is fanning those flames a bit though? Like if if you even look at his kind of press conference today, he's he's again. We need to maybe consider, as I've just said, then his kind of his. His words, the fact he is speaking a, a second language, but even today he's he's said, you know, oh, I, I've just come to help Tottenham for a time, and you know, we let me uh, let me find his actual quote because I don't want <clears throat> to, I don't want to do it. I think I've lost you don't it, want to be up for the
0: press complaints
1: commission, no. Can I find it again? It's really annoying because there's so many of these bloody things. I mean, I can't find it. It's it's, it's lost to the timeline, but he, he he's essentially said something to the effect that I, I came to Tottenham to try and help the club for a while. Everyone has a vision. Managers can get sacked or sometimes those visions can just not. <laughs> it was something to that effect. Yeah, I
0: think I saw what you mean. I, I mean the problem with press conferences is that there's like what two sometimes three a week I don't think managers really care about them I think mm. they're there to serve another kind of industry almost and picking over every single word that's said in them you know mm. it's person just says something at a moment in time well, they probably don't even want to be there I mean how many, I reckon if you asked every single manager do you want to do press conferences yes or no the vast majority would say no because it's probably just a time out of their day they'd rather be doing something else uh, and, and, and you know we pick over it like it, like it's gospel you know you, you kind of referenced a while back about what he said after Burnley and how it seemed like he wanted to to leave the club and, and walk away and, and you know if you would it, you, you definitely think that but that didn't happen so I think maybe we're just kind of reading a bit too much into these in general and it's actually these are there to to fuel our appetite for for media content, for for Sky Sports News, for Dan Kilpatrick in the Evening Standards, Fifteen Minutes of Fame blurbs, whatever. Worse,
1: he's the worst
0: one of them. he oh, is such a hack. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Love you, Dan.
0: <laughs> Are you uh a- But I, I do think that, that there's a, there's a point to be made that we 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 give these too much weight in general. I think sometimes they can be insightful. I think if things are going a bit badly for a, for a manager, it's probably the worst time to hear anything from them because they're going to be on guard. They're not going to want to give too much away. They probably don't want to be there because things are going badly. If things are all, all roses, then everyone's going to be like, yeah, everything's great. We're having a great time. Training's going really well. Really looking forward to the match, blah, blah, blah. But if things aren't, what do you want them to say? So, Yeah.
1: Well, if we if we make it about something more specific, then because one of the one of the big topics that's floating around at the money at, at the money, well, yeah, there you go, the slip, but uh, an apt one <clears throat> floating around at the moment is the money, and this idea that you back Conte and he can deliver, he he can do, he can he can work wonders for you because he's a proven serial winner. Blah blah blah, you you know the you know the rhetoric. You've heard it all before. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I've sort of I've already caught a few strays from saying this sort of thing previously. And like I say, I'm not completely in love with the ownership. I, I, I don't think they get everything right. But I think the idea that Antonio Conte thus far hasn't been backed is bollocks. I think that that's the word I've I've used. To describe it and I'll stick with that. I do think it's bollocks. I think we've spent a decent amount of money. Um yeah, Richarlison definitely is a, a big money signing, basuma, what, twenty five thirty mil? You get you get the picture anyway, you know you know, we don't need to yeah. go through all of this. Um Yeah, we're kind of looking at a, a situation still where we can turn out a performance. And yes, there's injuries. You know, It, it is worth bearing in mind Richarlison, Kulusevski and Bentenko. Three of our, I think we can say, key players were injured. Humminson is not the son that we know at the moment. Maybe he never will be again. Who knows? So it's worth bearing in mind that these players are missing. But you would still think that even with players missing... I, I don't know i just I don't think you can excuse the manner of the performance against Aston Villa personally speaking injuries or not um I would expect to see a bit more fight from the players there so I mean do you do you number one do you buy the idea that Conte hasn't been backed and number two if you feel that he has or hasn't, should he, could he be doing more to get more out of these players? I mean, what, what, what is the plan? What, I, this is kind of partly what I feel with him. What is, what is it, what's his vision that he's serving us? Because it, it doesn't feel to me that he's invested in the club. He's not invested in the future of the club at all. It's just, I, as he said again the other day, I need more, I need a foundation, a more solid foundation. I need more players. But it can't all just be about buying players. It, it, it can't be i mean surely
0: yeah i mean there's a, there's a risk here i'm going to violently agree with you um i do think certainly this transfer window has been and, and the previous one the last two really the, the two since he's been here he's definitely been backed um you look at the players that we bought in there for no small fees um yeah, there's been some shrewd signings in there sure um but there's also you know players like Richardson is a big name signing Obviously, I know it's prior to him joining, but Romero, another big-name signing. pesuma a shrewd signing, so on, so on, so on. And I think we're going to have to spend a fair whack on confirming Kudasewski once the kind of lone window closes there. So he's absolutely been backed. Um, and so there's no reason for yesterday's results, um, or for the result against Villa, um, it was a pitiful performance. Um, I don't buy into the fact that he's not providing us a vision. Um, I think part of the problem is people maybe don't like the vision that he's selling, and um, and, and that's something different altogether. Um, you know, he's playing the three at the back. It's quite a defensive setup. It does. It is a bit Jose-esque, shall we say? You know, with kind of sitting back and soaking up pressure, and then. Hitting, player, hitting the teams on the break with kind of fast, direct counter-attacks. Um, people don't like it. And that's fair enough. You don't have to like it. Um, but it's how he manages his team here. Um, and it's how he thinks he's going to get the best out of us. And I think he's done pretty well today. Um, but that said, he does make some really bizarre decisions. You know, his persistence with... Emerson for most of the season, though that looks like it's coming to an end because Emerson done himself a favour and or done us all a favour and had a bust up um, and not playing Jed Spence. Um, that that just seems weird because Jed Spence, from what I gather, is the, the quickest player in the team. You know, he's a, a wing back that's so kind of pivotal to to how the team attacks in these kind of transition periods. Um, why he can't get any like meaningful minutes just to try and bed him into the team and, and get him more up to speed with, with the Premier League and, and playing in that style. I, I I just can't put it on. And, and you know, that is on Conte. Um, you know, I'm not here to say that he hasn't made any mistakes. Um, so I forget you kind of, the other question was, I've, I've just started rambling.
1: Uh, (laughs) so
0: do I mate it's the way it goes you know Uh, but you know so so yes he has been backed um, and I think he'll be continued to be backed Mm -hmm. I know some people get angry at the the direction of the club at times um, and and there's been lots of occasions where that's been justified I think at the moment though you know especially lately there's there's not really a case for that Um, we have been a bit unfortunate with with injuries Um, uh, but that's not really an excuse for a team like Villa to come over and turn us over 2-0. And it's not really an excuse to keep on conceding goals in the way in which we have, most of which as well just seem to be from individual errors, which is really alarming um, in many respects, because I think that's what we saw at the tail end of Jose's time, certainly what we saw at tail end of Poch's time as well. Um, so you know that, that, that is you know when the individual errors start creeping in, it does make you take stock for a minute to go what what what's the what's the cause of that? Because these are some ridiculous one. And Eric Dyer, who I you know I listen to your pod, you know we've all discussed his you know first part of the season was excellent, and that England caller I don't know we've got to his head or not. It's been shit, awful. I mean the bubble's completely uh, burst on it, right? But, but it's just it's it's just rookie mistakes. You know, you think about the goal against Liverpool when he's misheaded it and basically like played Salah through on goal. The the corner he conceded against um, Brentford, um, I think he was culpable for one against Newcastle as well. You know, and it's just, there's probably more, but, you know, that's three like massive routine unforced errors that, that shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen at that frequency. Um, and so... You know, I kind of mentioned it earlier, where's the defensive solidity gone and and what's the cause for that? Because it doesn't seem like teams have found a way to unpick us necessarily. They just sit there and fucking wait for us to do it to ourselves.
1: I do remember the second sort of part of that, and you've kind of answered it as we go along, but it was just kind of asking you how you... uh, Well, what, what you feel about his culpability in the... The kind of the downturn, if you like, the performance, other players. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say I'll focus on somebody like, Eve Basuma, for example, because he looks like a player that's completely bereft of confidence now. He, he just looks completely done. He's he kind of will play well in little patches. He's played, I would say, he's played especially well when he when he's been in the three when he's been with Bentancur and yeah. Um And I suppose it doesn't help him that his role keeps sort of switching between playing alongside either Hoybia or Bentancur, both of them. Or in a three. Or just not playing, you know. It's kind of, it's, it's that thing. So I do understand that. And I do also understand, you know, people talk about Graham Potter, his style, the system he had at Brighton, Basuma playing a very kind of, you know, specific role within that. But admittedly I didn't watch him week in week out but one of the things I, I remember about Yves at least is that he was he was a pretty kind of solid exciting ish box to box player that could you know could, could find a pass could press could Harry could yeah he looked like a, for want of a better expression a pound land Kante you know yeah he, he it was he, everywhere wasn't he yeah and it just seems so strange at the moment that we've just kind of got this sideways passing player within his shell. Um, and you, you touched on it yourself there. I mean, when I think about Jed Spence, I mean, I sort of, I, I, I do toe this line of, you know, sometimes I think, or I need to use my words carefully, but I think sometimes people are, they sometimes project their own human sensitivities onto footballers. I, 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 don't, I don't buy any your imagination i'm not saying that footballers aren't human beings that they don't have feelings like the rest of us but I do think it's it is a job for them and I do think they are wired in a slightly different way to the to the every man on the street so when I kind of hear people say like that Conte's bullying jed Spence and stuff like that i'm I, I, do you know what I mean I sometimes I take a bit of a step back because hmm. I, I don't know if you know it's not it's not an yeah. HR issue do you know what I mean like it, it's, <laughs> But I'd still...
0: Jack's shooting my drawer again. I
1: I (laughs) I get the point that they're making to an extent, though. It does feel like he's using, basically, a talented young player who everyone was very excited about signing, and we should be enjoying, right, in patches and in spells. But instead, he seems to become like a pawn for Conte in order to... You guess, make some sort of a point about the type of signings he wants to be made by the club, and it, it yeah. just feels I, a bit
0: off. If I could just jump in there, I, on. I only think the only when I try, I, I yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I think it, does it feel? It feels a bit. Is he using it as a you know, an axe to grind? But you know, if I if I try and be objective and you know see his the other side for it, you know, we look at Kulisewski, He's about the same age, and he's come straight into the team. And, and never really looked back ever since. You know, He's now one of our best players. Um, and I don't know how much of a Conte signing he was. Um, I, I guess because he's been so successful, right? No one's ever asked the question, oh, why isn't Kulisewski playing? All I can think is, and this is me trying to kind of play devil's advocate, is he simply doesn't think Jed is ready yet. Because we've seen that he isn't averse to using young players. You know, if you look at some of the, the players in our squad, they're actually really, a lot of them are quite young. Like is pretty young. is pretty really, really young. But Emerson is really young. I think people often overlook that. They think he's like 27, I think he's like 22, 23 yeah, he tops.
1: Yeah, young,
0: yeah. And, and so it's not a case that he's averse to, to throwing in young players. So, you know, if I'm trying to make myself feel better about the situation, I'll, I'll try and convince myself... He probably just sees enough of him to go, I just don't think you've quite got to grips with what's going to be required in the top flight. Um, and that can, that might be the reason. That's me trying to maybe be very fair on Conte, because also I think, bloody yeah, hell, if you seen some of the performances Emerson has put in, Doherty looks all right, but he's slow and he's a bit laboured and a bit just one-dimensional. Yeah, and I just think part of me would just like to see him go, oh, just take a just take a risk. Last 20 minutes or something, if we're chasing the game, just give him a proper run out and see what he can do because he, he he might just be one of those people that takes to it. He might not, and then we'd all kind of go, oh, okay, I can see why he's not been getting minutes, but we've not been given the opportunity to, to assess that for ourselves, and I think that's the frustration. So you know, while I'm trying to be fair, it is, you know, you can only take that so far if you've not given the chance to look for yourself.
1: What would you, what would you like to see from him? Because, I mean, I, th- I think the obvious one, the, the elephant in the room, is his contract, right? Because, and this is something that is massively overlooked. I, t- I totally understand how there, there's a meeting in the middle between the board and between him. His perspective being, well, I'm not going to sign away my life for the next two years to a club that I don't think is going to back me. But equally, why are they going to continue to give a guy £15 million pounds a year and 200 £300 million pounds to spend if he's just going to flounce off and walk away? One might argue that the club should have seen he's that type of guy. You can see his track record. So it's not really a surprise that he's this way. But...
0: He's, well, I mean, this is the whole point. Of
1: it's it's destabilising hat- things, right? Because the whole conversation now is what's happening with Conte's con- contract and then what does that mean for Harry Kane? What does that mean for Hugo Lloris, Humminson, etc.? Well,
0: this is the whole point of Paratici, isn't it? That, that This is his job to kind of go, this is going to be our direction of football. I buy the players within view of the type of manager we're going to recruit. So if, for instance, Conte decides he wants some upsticks, he's had enough, that the next manager comes in and he's inherited a squad that is fitting of that vision. That, that, that is literally what the director of football was there to do, to offer that continuity as and when managers leave, players leave, so that you have a, a style and, a, and an image of football. Now, whether this just points to not being very good, I guess the jury's out because he's had some big misses and he's had some big hits. I guess that's just the nature of football. But that is his job after all. So I think, you know, whether Conte guns or goes, you know, who knows? I'm not that hung up on it. I think, you know, in answer to your question, what would I like to see from Conte? I'd like to see a bit more tactical flexibility. I feel that, you know, he's wedded to this three at the back and sometimes, you know, we're just, especially when we're chasing games and, you know, looking against Villa, when we're barely having a shot on target, Change the formation. I know we saw it a bit of last season, but we've not seen four at the back at all this season. Switch to a four-three-two-one. You know we've got the the players in the team to go and do it. If we're in a bit of trouble when playing, you know, having an extra defender is superfluous because they're sitting right back and we're not making we're not laying a glove on them. Go and change the formation. I think that's what I'd like to see more from him, as well as you know maybe giving some. Some of the other players that aren't getting a kicker a go as well.
1: Do you think he's still a good thing for Tottenham?
0: Conte. Yeah, absolutely. You now, as I said earlier, I think we are overreacting. What is our first setback? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm not surprised because this is. I've supported Tottenham far too long for my, for my health, but this this is literally our first setback under him. Everything prior to the, you know this run of games that started in what November had been good. Everyone had been optimistic, and we've had a we've hit a bit of a poor patch. Yeah, yeah, and it's there's some very worrying signs about it. But we're talking about the guy that kind of basically rescued us from like relegation form, and got us into top four last season. You know, the first sign of trouble, we're all like, oh, he's got to go. Oh no, yeah, it's it's over. He's not. He doesn't love us. It's like, ugh, come on, guys, have a bit more self-respect.
1: I haven't got any of that, mate. You should know
0: that. Boy. No, I know. We're, yeah. I mean, we're Tottenham fans. Of course yeah, we
1: don't. You're, you're speaking to the wrong man if self-respect's what you <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right, the big one. The, the big one. And I don't yeah. mean you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Enoch in or Enoch out, mate?
0: I bloody love Daniel Levy. He is my hero. No, um, yeah, it's a complicated one, isn't it? Because I think people are very emotional about this subject. And I think sometimes it is with good reasons. I think sometimes it is with nefarious reasons. and, And I think sometimes it is with misguided reasons. I think a large part of what drives... People's dislike and border on hatred for Levy and Enoch is it's completely misguided they they don't understand how our club is set up what our club is capable of and where that fits in their expectations for what they want their football team to be and it's a really grim truth because football is not going to be about reality and well actually this is the hard facts of life it's going to be and escapism, and enjoying yourself. And we've been a bit bereft of that the last few years. And I think that's kind of built up to a head, and now we're seeing, you know, people really kind of lashing out at Enoch. But is it with just cause? Yes, in some respects, but not to the extent I think people believe. And, you know, some of the tantrums you've seen are just, you know... Quite something to behold.
1: So, all right. So, let's. Let, I'll pick up on something you said then. So, in in what respects do you think it is it is fair? What, what what in particular has say has yeah has annoyed you about the the stewardship of the club?
0: So, there have been opportunities in the past, and you know, namely under Pochettino, where we should have invested more than we did. We should have taken the opportunity that presented itself to really go and push on and add a bit more quality to the squad. Maybe, you know, what like we've seen this summer where they put in some capital investment to to help drive us forward. That should have happened a few years ago when Pochettino was there and really given them a bit more of a, a bit more of a purse to go out and buy those few extra players that would have really made the difference. Cause we were in, you know, since I've been born in that once in a lifetime opportunity to really capitalise. And I think that was a massive mistake, Miss. And obviously, they exacerbated the situation by not only taking that opportunity, but actually not doing anything at all. Now, I think it's fair to say Pochettino was in some part responsible for that. Uh, you know, I don't know, you, you hear things, don't you? And hear stuff like he didn't want James Madison when that was a possibility. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, he might have had good reasons for that, but, you know, it, it looks a, a poor decision now because he's a pretty good player that certainly helped us a lot at the moment. Um, so I think there have been those moments like that. We saw it again previously on the Redknapp, although I, I'd argue so. I think that's probably a bit more fanciful, but it was still an opportunity to, to capitalise on the progress we've made. Um, I also think that maybe sometimes we could spend a bit more, a little bit more, than we do. We kind of operate at this, I think it's about 40% of our turnover is put towards transfers and wages etc, which is quite far under the the, the average in the league. Could we up that by a little bit more, just give ourselves a bit more, and then an extra belt buckle if you like. Um, So I think, yes, there could be some slight tweaks here and there around how we do operate. But by and large, these are, you know, two missed opportunities, shall we say, and an operating model that isn't going to be drastically different. It might just help a little bit. So I think those those are kind of legitimate criticisms. I'm sure there are others, but off the top of my head, those are the big ones that spring to mind. I mean, I think one of the things that, see,
1: because I know what you're saying about it being an emotional issue, because, you know, I, I, I did that thing on... BBC last night and I felt that you know I I didn't let anyone off the hook not that it's me that you know people are answering thank you but I (laughs) I've aired my grievances plenty of times like on here about kind of the board and I feel like their sort of lack of action in places and you know, straight away I'm getting fucking pegged as like a a Levy stooge and all this type of shit. So <laughs> I know you mean like some of the some of the just the conversation around this is is fucking wild, you know. Really, yeah. for one of a better word, like it's it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And uh, I do I you know I, I I didn't go on about it after the um on my sort of solo pod thing the other day, but in terms of what you're saying, like some of the criticism is a bit more sinister. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that anybody that has an issue with Enoch is an anti Semite, but I do think people need to again look at the type of stuff they're putting, you know, people posting out pictures of him with his head on an insect's body and stuff. I've seen one example of that, the parasite yeah. stuff. And I'm like, this is, I mean, guys, come on, like, this is just, this is the, the literal is, Nazi propaganda, you know, like,
0: but the one that, you know, if someone superimposed his head of him running away with like a cashier full of full of money. That's the one that you see all the time, the little gif, and he's running away. And the thing is, is this, this, this idea is allowed to, to really spread and, and, and be a belief. But again, this is what I'm talking about. It's, it's completely ignorant. So Levy draws a salary, which is to be expected, right? He is the chairman. Yes, he is a very well-paid chairman. He gets two, three million a year. So it's a very, very handsome wage. But in terms of actual money that Enoch take out of the club, they haven't paid dividends for themselves since 2008. So that means every single penny that Tottenham have made has not gone to Enoch since 2008. So that's 14 years, over 14 years now, of them not taking a single penny out of it. But most people would have you believe that they're fleecing us, like the Glazers are. United, you know, okay, United's a bit of a different story, and there's different complications there. But that's the truth. Enoch aren't taking any money out of the club, but everyone is just taking that assumption that's the case. Now what Enoch Carr is an investment firm, they want to build up their asset that they bought for the princely slung of 20 million or whatever it was back in the day, and now they're sitting on a on a 3 billion plus asset, right? They'll want to sell that. So people are going, like, oh, maybe he's taking 3 million a year. He's a major shareholder in this firm and in Enoch. When they get sold, Three million a year is going to literally be to, to use a Boris Johnson phrase chicken feed because he's going to be getting hundreds of millions from the sale of this club. So the idea that they're kind of there just like lining their pockets, if they want to line their pockets, they will sell this club because that is the, going to be the, one of the biggest windfalls of all time. Um, but a lot of people don't want to kind of actually just read the information that's out there freely. You can just Google it, it's really straightforward to do. It doesn't take long either. Yeah, you have to trawl through some really like boring shit to get to the kind of the actual information you're looking for. But it's out there, it's free, and it's not hidden. But rather than do that, people would just go, "Oh yeah, I saw some guy on Twitter say you know, "Levy's just like they're fleecing us, they're parasites," and that and, and that and that, allow, and that spreads like wildfire. And then obviously there are people I think, and actually I think there are some people that do this purposely. They do it with the view that he's Jewish and. Maybe they're not kind. They're they just kind of going, yeah. It's, it just adds an extra bit of nastiness into what they're saying. Maybe they're not doing it to be anti-Semitic per se, but they're going that will just hurt that little bit extra. I don't like him, and that's just like another nasty thing I can add on top of it. Which in itself is obviously anti-Semitic, but do you know what I mean? It's just a that's not their their main purpose. It's just about making it a bit more nasty and vindictive and and horrible.
1: Yeah, it. It's just, it's a bit, you know, people, people lash out online, you know, and obviously at the end of the day, racists are racists. Do they? Yeah. But I'm not going to make excuses for it. I I would say that, you know, a a lot of this stuff is, it's part, I I, I will say I seldom see anybody outrightly and you, but you do still see, you do still see some people outrightly say, you know, pretty grim stuff like, like just out, out and out racist, anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I'm sort of hinting towards, I think what we're talking about there, is like maybe, you know, it's more from a place of ignorance. And I'm totally just yeah. making excuses for racists now, really. But No, I think you're right,
0: though. I think people don't realise what they're saying. They just... It's become so ubiquitous. Oh, usually... So they example. just think it's fine.
1: You know, all, all my old fucking animations... So Levy was always one of the main fucking characters in those. And the, generally, the gags would be kind of, you know, something about him not wanting to spend money or there'd be you know bits of animation of him either you know with money raining down behind him and stuff that's probably just you know I was a lot younger when I was making that type of stuff and just didn't really you were just in your 30s weren't you yeah (laughs) and I just I didn't really fully grasp or get the kind of I guess the loaded and painful history behind a lot of these tropes and a lot of the kind of just the way this type of stuff has been used before like I, I sort of said it previously I wasn't saying it flippantly there's plenty of examples of Nazi propaganda that really really utilise these images the images of Jews being parasites of Jews being money grabbers and All these type of things, you know, and apologies to anybody. I'm even upsetting by just talking about this type of stuff now. You know, I I appreciate it's unpleasant. But I think this is why I kind of I do find sometimes when people get quite visceral about this Enoch, Levy, Joe Lewis argument, it it can get quite uncomfortable. And I just, you know, I'm not saying it to shame anybody from airing their grievances about the club. It's just it's more kind of just think about the way in which you vocalise that. Um, and well, we can we can all be guilty of that. I'm, I'm, come on, I'll I think there are, talks, right yeah, course, there are repeat offenders
0: though. Yeah, of course there are repeat offenders and then people that I'm not going to name any names, but you know people that I know on Twitter, for instance, I've pointed this out to, and they don't give a shit. They and they'll do it again because it doesn't matter to them. Making this point about how much they dislike our club's ownership really doesn't matter even if they're kind of you know straying into kind of you know, racist remarks because they you know they don't the it's of the feelings of Jewish people become of lesser importance to them than making out just how abundantly this how much how abundantly they dislike Enoch that's more important to them so whether or not it's motivated by racism is not it's, it's kind of academic because they just don't care they're just that set in their ways over this And it's a bit weird. It's such... They are a weird bunch, some of these people. I'm not talking about people with kind of legitimate criticisms and and, and people who would like to see things done in a different way. Some of it is just weird. And it's just... I I don't know what frustrations they've got in their life or whether they think football is going to be some sort of wish-fulfillment programme. But, you know, get a grip, guys, if that's you, honestly. I think
1: partly because where I can where I can sympathise with that type of thing is I think that yeah if, we get, if we're if we going to deep it at the moment the world is it's, I think society at least in the West it's, it's a bit of a, a maelstrom right I think there's a lot of stuff politically, socially and I guess this is kind of emblematic of that even in a sporting sense hmm. I think a lot of people just feel quite powerless now you know it feels like we're kind of just constantly on this conveyor belt of just handing our money over going to work handing our money over and just lumping it you know like it or lump it and i do think in general people are just kind of just they feel quite listless and just frustrated with things just like just you know because look we've had the past few years of pochettino of that that fucking joyous ride we were on and whether or not you know i'm not gonna let people devalue it with the you didn't win anything it's the fucking time of my life as a Tottenham fan. It really was. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't win the league. And it, it, it is hard to swallow. We didn't win anything. you know. Didn't win the FA Cup. Didn't win a League Cup. Nothing at all.
0: Didn't win the Champions League.
1: You no. Know? And then seeing... and I know we're not supposed to focus on that lot down the road. But seeing them doing what they're doing now in a similar way... Should we say? At least they started in a similar way to as we did with Pochettino, but then have taken it that step further by really now putting money behind Mikel Arteta, like as if they're going to go and win the fucking league. Now we didn't even get to like we didn't even get to have the the far less pa- still painful, but the far less painful just them finishing above us like this year. Why couldn't they just? Maybe they still will, but why couldn't we have just had them finish fourth and we finish fifth? all right, yeah, we get the St. Totteringham's Day banter, we get to feel the sting again of Arsenal finishing above us, and that kind of, you know, tango between the two clubs continues. But as if they're just going to go and win the fucking league now, after their <laughs> years of mediocrity. And I, I, do, I really do think that fans are flames of everything that we're feeling at the moment, whether Absolutely. it's Conte, whether it's Enoch, the owners, this and that. It's seeing that happen, and it just feels... And it is tantrumy. I get it. on your point of like, come on, pull yourself together. It definitely is that. But it just feels like this is so unfucking fair. This is <laughs> this is so unfair. And I just I'm angry about this. And I just need to vent this somewhere because I've, I've you know I was saying to you, I'm on the fence of Enoch. and I obviously have sort of stuck up for them. But I do think you know one of my main points is, and I was saying this on the on the pod after. Tottenham right now, we could be we could be a Nottingham Forest. We could be a Leeds. We could be a Wolves. Like We were fucking garbage at the start of the Premier League era. A really bad team. A bad team with history. That's all that we were. And I, I, I will use these words. Enoch saved the club from that. They did. Enoch have turned Tottenham again into, or taken Tottenham back to their place as being one of the best teams in Europe. They have definitely done that. They definitely have. I think now I start to kind of I'm wavering on them because I'm a bit like well now we're here, I do understand this whole okay right so we we did speculate on the Chelsea we did speculate on Ndombélé, but this this is what happens guys like you spend money and not every single player is a hit you cut you can't use that for two three transfer windows. And keep saying like, well, sorry, you know, we we spunked that money before and we need to sell those guys. I mean, I understand the fiscal reality is that money doesn't just come from nowhere. But my point is that at this level of football, where they have taken Tottenham to now and where they want us to stay by, let's be honest, charging the most expensive prices in the country for people to come and watch football, to, to kind of still have this approach where it's like, well, we can get you another good player in, but we've got to get those ones out first that nobody wants to buy anyway, at least not for the kind of, you know, (laughs) close to original price that we sold them for, if you're to believe what people say. It just, it feels a bit done. It feels like we've done this, you know, we did it, like you say, we did it a bit with Knapp. definitely done it with Pochettino. And now, as much as I don't think we're not back in contact, it feels like it's still just a bit of a tug of war, especially when you're seeing kind of, I mean, is Todd Bowley, is he miles richer than Enoch? I don't know. I I think they're fairly comparable in their kind of approach. He's not a Roman Abramovich and he's still just kind of dropping money. And it it still feels like all the noises coming out of Spurs are, we've got to sell before we can buy. We've got to be considerate of X, Y, and Z issues. I just think I'm a bit bored of that. And I think a lot of people are a bit bored of that and just want to see... I mean, it's a lot of the same reason people talk about, you know, something like Brexit. You know, obviously it was a highly charged issue and there was a fucking a lot of stuff going on there. But a lot of people seem to say out the out the back of that, a lot of people just wanted to roll the dice and see something different because they felt that things weren't going their way, should we say. And, I, you know, I think that you can compare some parallels to, to Tottenham with, so basically Tottenham and Brexit, that's it. Okay. That's Not, it. Too long, didn't read. But do, do you sort of see, <laughs> do you see where I'm coming from after that big, long rambling?
0: I do, and thing? I just to pick up on a couple of points, actually. One, one is about, you know, we're talk, you mentioned the Celso and Ndombele and how that's kind of used as a uh, an example of how, how the club has been backed and it didn't work out so tough. Like, Converse to that, though. We've literally let them walk out the door and go on loan, seemingly, just to let them run down their contracts for nothing. I think, In terms of how we back Conte, as much as bringing in the players we we have, we've let two of our most expensive signings walk out the door for no money at all, pretty much, and still gone and spent the money we have. So we've taken a massive hit on those two signings for no return. And so... That's something that we also need to kind of factor in when we're talking about backing content. And as for Arsenal, and I know it's probably galling, and I'm gonna say it out here now, loud and clear, so everyone's sure they're not gonna win the league. They're shit. They're not winning the <laughs> league, so don't worry about it. Everyone calm down. Stop. Try and enjoy the season with what you can. Instead of it's only just turned two thousand twenty-three. If they win it, it's in five months' time. Don't spend those five months' time having the shittest time of your life. Worry about that in May, not now. But say the worst did happen. Actually, it's in a in a perverse way, like cause for optimism for us, because what Arsenal do is actually very similar to what we've done. You know, they are pretty much a self sustained club. They bought their stadium. Um, you know, they did it. They loaned it out. It meant they had. A few wilderness years, albeit those wilderness years looked quite bountiful compared to our glory years. But that's just that's life. But you know, they, they were out. They've been outside the top four for six years, which is you know given that they were in it for what like fourteen consecutive years. It's a huge amount of time to drop out of it and now see where you know they're all of a sudden competitive again. You had know? Arteta finished eighth, eighth from fifth, or something like that. I can't. I might be a bit shaky on those numbers. But they stuck by him and
1: I think you're they've stuck to a vision. I'm pretty sure you're correct on that.
0: You know, so they've stuck by him because he has got a vision. And they've had a number of setbacks. You know, he didn't have to go two years ago. People, they were calling for Arteta's heads. They'd had enough. And it's not too similar to the situation we find ourselves in now. You know, there seemed to be a lack of uh, plan, a lack of cohesion, a lack of strategy. But they stuck by him. And they did back him in a very similar manner to how we're backing Conte. And I think maybe Conte isn't going to be the guy, but if we don't at least give it a proper chance, we'll never know. Because this poor run of games can quickly turn around and we might end up having a relatively decent end of the season and you know, get top four again. Who knows? Maybe a cup, lol. But, you know, who knows? And then starting next season we go, actually we finished that season our season really strongly to sort to of see a bit more of a pattern emerge, a bit more of an identity as to where we're going. And then kind of next season, who knows? And now of course that is always there's always tomorrow and it's always tomorrow with Tottenham and I get that. But we're not in a situation, because of our financial muscle, to go out and buy millions billions of pounds on players. That's just not what we can do. We simply don't have the pockets for that. Mm. And in reference to to Chelsea, how are they doing it? Well, they've taken out an £800 million loan to do it. So that's how they're doing it. They're riddling that club for debt. You know, they are, they've been bought out, not by an Abramovich-type figurehead. They've been bought out by a hedge fund. Now, hedge funds aren't in the business of just throwing money away. They usually want a return on their investment. And at some point, Chelsea are going to have to provide a return on that investment. Otherwise, they're going to be saddled with a shit tonne of debt. They're going to start selling off all their players, and God knows what happens. And hopefully they'll go out of business and we'll never have to hear it from them again. But it's you know, it's not a case that they're going to have Abramovich just giving them, writing off half a million pounds a year in loans, or half a billion pounds a year in loans, and just going, yeah, don't worry about paying that back. Those days are over for them. So you know there are reasons to be optimistic it's just right now that seems hard to see
1: Do you think I mean we're talking about Conte we're talking about Mourinho do you think Levy has to cop any flack for what do seem to be kind of vanity hires really because you, you can't it's it's tough to escape mate from this sort of sense that Conte isn't a project manager you know he does seem to be the type of guy that he walks into a PSG or a Real Madrid and delivers them the, the top stuff because he's got a top squad already and he's going to be given 200 mil a window to buy the, the riches, plunder the kind of riches of European football or South American football in order to do that that's never going to be the proposition at Tottenham, at least, you know, not, uh, and we need to stop making, I think one thing I will say is we need to stop making this a, this is never going to be a Tottenham thing. It's not just Tottenham. You know, it's, it's 90, I haven't got the actual figures, but I say 99% arbitrarily of football clubs can't just spend and spend and spend, you know, without there being an issue. So, yeah, do you think there has to be anything, do you think he has to take some accountability for that? If if it ends up with egg on his face, I mean, regardless of that, actually.
0: Um, so, you know, you always hear, I do hear this term, and it is, it's is—it's quite pithy and catchy, isn't it? It's a vanity appointment.
1: Yeah, that's what I like. He's it. done
0: it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Pithy, <substance>. here. <laughs> You know, um, but I mean, it, it's not really true, is it? I mean, I don't think Levy kind of wakes up in the morning and go, oh, I'm going to sack Pochettino. I'm going to appoint someone that's going to make me look really cool in front of the other chairman. And now I'm going to appoint Jason Mourinho. I think he makes the decisions with the interest of club at heart. Because what is the best vanity project is for your club to be succeeding. It doesn't matter who it is. That's, that's what gives you the real kind of ability to kind of go, stick your chest out and go, look how great I am. Not kind of going. I've got Jose Mourinho. In his guidance is the seventh. You know, <laughs> he's not he's not bragging about that, is he? He wants to be in the Champions League finals. So he is. I, I just don't understand where his motivation would be to make things worse for the sake of going. Oh look, I can I can hire Jose Mourinho. I can hire contact. But do you,
1: do you not think it points to him? You know, as people say, and I can't help but feel this, especially watching things like the Amazon documentary, that he's just not really that in touch with the the reality of football. That he's kind of, he's that guy in the office who will talk to you about football and you know he just doesn't know what he's on about. Because I, I can't mean, help but get... It sounds ridiculous to say of a man who does. has turned Tottenham Hotspur to, like you say, a £3 billion franchise. But he he is a businessman at the end of the day. He's not overly a football man, right? Even Some would say we even got a bit fortunate with Pochettino like where, where we went to with that. But I, I, no, I don't really want to go into that because fortune is or isn't, you know, you can say that of anything, can't you? So.
0: But I mean, I guess then, which chairman is a football man? Because yeah, if really isn't, no one is. Because he's been chairman for Tottenham. He's the longest-serving chairman in the Premier League. Um, you know, he has enjoyed relative success. He's built up a football club from the business side of things, you know, effectively not from the ground, but you, but you would say very low start.
1: We've experienced business success, so we haven't really experienced football success, have we? I mean, if we've, well, if we've well, been we pretty have,
0: honest. I mean, we haven't won a lot. That's the thing, but it's not like we haven't had the opportunity. And I've said before, I don't know how we. It's been harder for us not to have won something over the last ten years. Than it would have been to have us actually won something. Given the number of opportunities that presented ourselves to go and win something, mm. how on earth did we not manage it? I just don't know. I, I, I really don't know. It, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. It's miserable,
1: so isn't
0: it? I, it's, yeah, well, it is miserable. Football is miserable. You know, and this is why I was just chatting to Rosa about it, about when people complain about the style of play, and I think, how the fuck do you care? I... I When I watch football, I'm so tense. I'm just like, come on, please, just like, don't concede, don't or please score that. I haven't really got time to enjoy whether we're playing well or not because I'm just so like fucking miserable for this the whole thing wanting to end and it be a positive result, and then I can enjoy it afterwards. I I don't know if other people just sit there kind of going, oh, this is this is entertaining, but uh, not me. I'm just there hating it, wanting it to get, wanting it to come out in favour of me.
1: Where do you want, like what? not where do you want, I mean obviously we want fucking Spurs to win the league, but what do you, where do you see the season going for Tottenham from this point, mate? Oh God,
0: it's a funny season, isn't it? Because um, you think loads of clubs, like Chelsea fall off the face of the earth, uh, Liverpool fuck knows what's happened to them, you know. I watched the Brentford game last night and Mo Salo is just, you know, we talk about Son.
1: It's similar, isn't it? it, it, it
0: it's, it's remarkable. I don't know what's happened to them. Maybe they were both on the inhalers and they folks had to give them a <laughs> knock, you know, um, but I can't believe, you know, how a player is, you know, Wonderfully gifted, his salary. He was terrifying,
1: just, mate. For what the past two, three years,
0: un, unreal. He was absolutely unreal. His first touch, his ability to beat a man, and his finishing, as good as it got. And he's he's awful now. He's completely. He's just he's just lost it. It seems. Um, so it's it's a bit of a weird one, and I think it's hard to kind of make that judgment on what's going on because obviously we're seeing. Now, Arsenal are top of the league. Now, I know, obviously, they've done very well, but I just don't believe they're that good. Not to have as many points as they have and so on. So something's clearly not right in the world. Um, City, are, you know, don't seem themselves. We're kind of, we haven't even got going. And I think, actually, it's, it's a bit like the COVID season in some respects, where it's all a bit just weird. And I think part of, well, I think it is all due to this, World Cup in the in the Christmas period that's completely fucked up everything. Um, I think players are like disheartened now and, and have lost concentration and fitness. I think players are at different levels of fitness and all sorts of going on. So um, I think it's thrown it up loads of weird results and, and, and weird uh, form. That said, I don't think this is the season's gone by any means i still think we can get third we're not we're not out of it at all we've still got several gears to go up into it's just a case of whether or not we can sort it out and i think if we can just stop conceding goals we'll be all right then it will just settle down i think at the moment we're just we're gifting so many goals that we just don't really give ourselves a chance to to go and win a game go and get that first goal you know if we can get that first goal in one game, maybe Palace tomorrow, then, then that's it. The season's on again, and we're going to win the league.
1: Let's hope so, mate. I, I did want to talk to you about Harry Kane, but I've, you know, I've kept you on the pod for quite a while now, so I, I won't. I'll we'll save that. We'll save that one for another day because it's been. You're going to have me back on, are you? Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> will see what the numbers are like out the back of this one, mate. If definitely two. If, me. The <laughs> if the listenership drops off a cliff, then you know yeah uh, no it's not happening but um it's yeah capitalism for you
0: <laughs>
1: and you know you know i am i am a part of the uh the establishment now as we as we yeah. covered off at the top yeah. so yeah but cheers cheers for coming on only mate and uh no thank you for having me i was you know wasn't wasn't quite the ding dong i was hoping for i was hoping to get one of these sound bites that we can stick out like a not you know remember that um speaking of dan kilpatrick
0: I knew you were going to say this. That <laughs> that Arsenal the guy fan. that used to rant in his car.
1: <laughs> I was hoping for one of those big, big explosive ones, mate. But it didn't happen, did it? So. Oh, um, sorry. sorry, so disappoint. You've let me down. You've let me down. No, but it's good chat, mate, and uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, and you were talking about a uh, a Rosa Elliot. That one is that, is that Rosa from
0: the Hometown Glory podcast? The, the, the very one. Yes. It's, it's, yes, she uh, she is the mother to my children. So. There you
1: have it. If you uh, if you didn't like what Ollie had to say
0: You will like it even her less. He just... <laughs> <laughs>